Hi, everyone, and welcome to Academic Dean, where we connect with passionate college leaders who share their stories and viewpoints of higher education, especially lessons learned along the way. Now, here's your host, Dr. Dave Gurchak. Hi, everyone. Today, I'd like to welcome Dr. John Seck to our show. Dr. Seck is the president of Carroll College in Helen, Montana, and has been gracious enough to be my first guest for my first podcast at Academic Dean. So, John, welcome. Dr. Gurchek, thank you. It's great to be here. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, it's interesting is, is uh, uh, what, what's old is new again. You know, you were my, you were my dean uh, around 2002 to 2010, and I always came to you when, when I had a project. So I think it's kind of interesting that you were the first person I thought of when, when I was starting this project. I'm, I'm very honored, and I've been looking forward to this. So thanks, thanks for the invitation. So can you talk a little bit about Carroll College and um, why students choose Carroll? Absolutely. Um, Carroll College has been around a long time. Uh, we are uh, now about 111 years. Um, we are a Catholic diocesan college that serves a uh, a broad range of students, about 40% of our students come from Montana and about 60% from about 38 other states and 13 foreign countries. And I would say uh, students choose Carroll College for the quality of uh, academic instruction that we are so well known for. Um, and, um, and also for the experience. Um, we have uh, uh, close to 80% of our students live on campus. Um, we have uh, 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 residential facilities from traditional um, residence halls to uh, on-campus apartments. And then, and then also connected to the campus, we have uh, very new, very modern apartments. So, um, so we really have a, a, a campus community here, a residential undergraduate community that's unlike uh, many campuses in this part of the country, and I think it it creates a it creates an environment that um, that students uh, um, are really excited about. And not only do they get to know their faculty, but they develop friendships for life, and um, and and they they receive the preparation uh, that they need to either be successful in life, not only in the field that they want to study, but as 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 a as a human being and as a contributor to society <clears throat> and their communities and making their communities um, a better place. So, um, I've, I've I'm now in my third year here. It, it's amazing, time flies. And um, as I've gotten to meet uh, alumni around the country, um, I'm just amazed by just the passion that the alumni have for this place, for this college, and, and, and the impact that Carol has had on their lives and, and their ability to, to, to affect change in their communities. So it's a, it's a very, very special place. And, uh, um, and I'm just honored to, uh, to be a, a part of this community in some way. It's, it really is a gorgeous campus. For any of our listeners, if they go to our webpage, uh, John was kind enough to let us use a, a picture of Carroll College on, on the front page to demonstrate uh, 
a beautiful uh, campus. So it, it really is. I always enjoy when I come over there and and walk through your campus. It's just it's just a fun place to go. So you have uh, quite a few students from out you know from outside of state and international students. So when we look at some of these students kind of coming in, and and now we're in the midst of COVID. Um, how is COVID restructured how you're taking care of both your out-of-state students and also your in-state students? You know, what lessons did you learn in fall? And then how is Carol prepared for spring 2021? Absolutely. In fact, um, I'll just share a story with you. Um, last spring on, on March 1, uh, Monday, March 1, we um, I, I convened a cabinet meeting with uh, some of the emergency health preparedness um, officers here in Lewis and Clark County, because just the, a couple days before, uh, we knew about the, the first uh, COVID case in um, uh, Kirkland, Washington. And so, um, you know, I thought, you know, it's getting pretty close to home here. It's, uh, the Seattle area is not that far from Helena, Montana. And um, so we convened a meeting to start talking about this, uh, uh, the potential of a pandemic and, and what we needed to do. And um, Dave, within uh, 17 days of that meeting, um, we uh, made the decision to, to close the campus and go remote, in 17 days. Wow. Um, and I'll never forget that meeting because I had a, a couple members of my cabinet were looking at me like I had uh, maybe, um, um, come from from another side of uh, the solar system uh, it's like no i don't think so i don't think this thing's really going to blow up and 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 it did and um and one of the things that that i think was um really really telling about our faculty and staff is that everyone rose to the occasion and uh, moved the curriculum um, to a remote delivery uh, format and um, did it so well. Um, this spring, I, I, I didn't receive a single complaint about academic quality. It was just just amazing because we're, Carroll is a in-person campus and, and, you know, we're really not, we haven't been focused on online delivery. So this was, this was fairly new to us, but we had had a lot of the tools in place um, in our classroom. So this summer, we immediately began um, uh, preparing for fall, and we made the decision, and I'm so glad we did, to uh, uh, move up uh, the start of school to mid-August and uh, end uh, the day before Thanksgiving. And I'm I'm just so thankful we did. One of the one of the things that we did um, was we made the decision to test everyone upon arrival. So on campus, when the students all checked in on Saturday and Sunday morning. We had tents set up on campus and we had our nursing faculty administering um, uh, PVC COVID-19 tests. <clears throat> we were working with a lab outside of Boulder, Colorado, and they were turning our, our results around for us in, in 24 to 36 hours, pretty fast. So we tested everybody. Uh, we got like 93% of our students consented to being tested. And then, um, you know, since it was the weekend, uh, um, we, I flew one of our team members to Denver and um, a member of the lab actually met the team member at the Denver International Airport 
and he handed off a suitcase full of uh, COVID tests. And, uh, and then the lab started processing them. Um, <clears throat> within about 24 hours, we knew we had seven uh, active positive, seven active cases on campus. None of them were symptomatic. So we were able to uh, isolate those students and then do our own contact tracing working with the county. And um, so we ended up right out of the chute with about seven in isolation and about 30 in, in, uh, in quarantine. Um, and sure enough, many of those uh, who tested positive did get sick. I mean, not terribly, but they did get sick. So what that did, Dave, is um, it stopped immediately the spread on campus. And um, so we went from um, uh, mid-August until the first week of October uh, holding what I would call the Carroll College bubble. Um, you know, where we were like one to two active cases a week, not much, and had a pretty good handle on it. And then I'll never forget about the second week of October on a Sunday morning, I received a call and we had gone from, on Friday, we were like two active cases on campus. And by Sunday morning, I was told that we went up to nine active cases. And then I got another call on Sunday afternoon saying we were up to 14 active cases. And then, you know, we were immediately trying to figure out who were they, what are the common traits, so forth. And we, we figured out uh, quickly that Sunday that they were in athletics. And unfortunately, they weren't associated with a single team. Um, they were spread out to all but one team, um, just one and two here and there. And so we made the decision to isolate um, every athlete on campus just and, and test them all. And, um, and then we started uh, testing the rest of the campus again. Well, by Wednesday, we were up to 102 active cases on campus, but it was pretty clear to us that we had, a, we had identified where, where, where it was coming from and that we had a handle on it. So I was working and my team and I were working very closely with uh, Drenda Neiman, who's our county health officer. And, you know, we were this close uh, to making the decision, should we go remote or not, for at least a couple of weeks. And, uh, and I said, give us about three more days. I think we got this. And sure enough, the positivity rates just plummeted and uh, they stayed. So then within about two weeks, we went from 102 down to like three or four. So uh, active cases on campus. So, you know, um, I guess my advice on this, Dave, is you got to stay on top of it and um, testing works and, it, and it, as well as the protocols in the classroom. So for example, in our classroom, um, all the, the chairs and desks are six feet apart. Um, Mass, if you don't have a mask, you don't go in the classroom. Um, we have spray solutions where you have to spray the desks, spray the chairs after you leave. So that really helped us as far as curtailing the spread as well, and as well as other procedures on campus. So it's been a really interesting fall, but we ended at Thanksgiving um, and we provided the opportunity for students to get tested. And uh, we had about close to 500 get tested and very few positives. So um, what that tells me, Dave, is that the bubble held um, after it was reestablished and 
in fact, our county health officer said that um, right before Thanksgiving, that, that just based on what we're doing here at Carroll College, that we may have actually been one of the safest places to be in all of Kona. That's interesting. So, so you had, uh, I, I would say you had traditional face-to-face classes throughout uh, fall and you didn't really go to remote at all? No, we, correct. Um, we were uh, interesting. There was a, a study of, of about 3,000 colleges in the country, public and private, and uh, only 27% um, started and finished uh, the fall semester mostly in person, and, and Carroll College was, was part of that 27%. So no, we didn't go online at all. Um, and you know, we had a couple classes that began from August um, online just to provide some convenience, but the, the vast majority of our classes remained in person, including clinicals, as you know, uh, like nursing. We have a 215 person nursing program. And so they were all in clinicals the entire semester. Um, so we were very fortunate. I see, I see. That's, that's really interesting. So strictly face-to-face now, with that said, in 2021, are you, I mean, I assume you're still having to try to do recruitment and everything else. So, so what are, how are you handling that as far as, as um, having virtual tours or smaller face-to-face gatherings or how does that work? Yeah. So we, um, uh, our admissions team has been very creative and they've done a a fantastic job. Um, And, and um, so especially during the, the peak in the fall when it was, uh, probably a little more risky to come to campus um, from out of state. The admission staff had cameras, and they would take they would take uh, uh, prospective students and their parents on a tour of the campus, just like they were with them. And oh. then they had you know they had multiple people at sites, so they would say, "Okay, signing off from Superman Hall Science Center, and we're going to go to the library next." and and so, you know, they did some really, really creative things. Um, and we still hosted people in person. We just did so very safely. And, um, and in fact, our on-campus uh, visits have been, been really good. So I think the fact that we ended the fall, that we didn't have to go remote, um, has actually helped us as of uh, today. And um, I, I know this doesn't air till January, but as of today in December, um, our uh, uh, deposits are actually significantly up from this time last year. So, oh, you know, it, so the early indications are looking good that yeah. and people are saying, you know what, Carol, Carol did it. They've proved themselves and, and uh, I'm willing to go there. I'm willing to send my son or daughter there. So, yeah. Oh, good. So that's, that's been really good. That's interesting. How, um, Looking at looking at 2021, then looking at next year, what's what's going to be new at Carroll? What what new programs are you have? Any new facilities? Any new services coming on board next year? Absolutely. Um, one of one of the things that we uh, developed uh, since I arrived in in June of uh, 2018, and this will be near and dear to your heart, Dave, uh, with your background, uh, but is a health professions initiative. Um, so as I mentioned, uh, um, you know, we have we have very strong track record in that area, our 215 person nursing program, which 
by the way, had a hundred percent pass rate of the influx RN exam last spring Very in nice. a pandemic, which is great. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> our pre-med program has a 20 plus year track record of 85 plus percent acceptance rate into medical schools. Um, and, uh, and then we have a, a wonderful pre healthcare professional track with uh, students going to, into physical therapy, going into physician assistant, uh, going into occupational therapy and, and, and a number of those types of programs. So we have very, very strong in the health area. So we wanted to leverage that and grow it. So um, um, this fall, we launched uh, our first ever um, uh, healthcare certificate. Um, which is a credit certificate designed for people who uh, may already have a degree but are working in healthcare organizations. So we have 21 people in that certificate right out of the chute. So that's exciting. We uh, <clears throat> also, this May, we received approval from the State Board of Nursing to launch an accelerated nursing program. And uh, that is a program that's designed for somebody who already has a bachelor's degree and decided, you know what, I wanna be a nurse. I really wanna serve uh, the world as a nurse. And <clears throat> so it's a 15 month program and they can um, enter in May um, and graduate in uh, BSN, a Bachelor of Science of Nursing, and then sit for the NCLEX RN exam. Um, that program right now <clears throat> in December already has a, a wait list. Oh, so we can take 20 students. It's, it's going great. And, you know, this pandemic is just, just further amplifying the need for nurses. So, um, <clears throat> in fact, uh, the shortage of nurses is, is, is probably not going to end in the next 10 to 15 years. So, and they, they start, um, there's the, our graduates are starting at 60 plus thousand a year and they can have a job in about 30 minutes. And in fact, most of them have a job before they walk across the stage. Um, so that's exciting. And then um, thanks to a, a very generous gift uh, from uh, uh, Terry Payne and his family in Montana, Terry lives in Missoula. Um, uh, we are starting a master of social work program mm which is preparing students to be licensed clinical social workers. And that's a master's degree. And that's gonna be set up in a, in a hybrid format where the students will come to campus uh, two times a semester for two weekends. And uh, the rest of it will be done using um, uh, remote delivery. So somebody in Billings can, can go to Carroll College and get their, their master of social work degree. Um, and uh, only have to come to Helena two times a semester. So it's a, um, we just hired a new director. Um, his name is Dr. James Petrovich. Uh, he comes to us from TCU, uh, Texas Christian University, where he ran a, a similar program down there. Um, he wanted to get to Montana. He wanted to start his own program. So um, we're, we're already seeing lots of interest in that program. So that's going. And then um, <clears throat> looking ahead to the fall of uh, 2022, we're looking at a master of uh, public health. And then for the fall of um, 23, 
Um, we're, we're planning on an um, uh, advanced uh, practice nurse program, uh, a doctor of nurse practitioner. Um, and uh, so that kind of gives you an idea of the, the health professions initiative that we're working on right now. Wow, that's, that's pretty interesting. You didn't mention, uh, I haven't been, had a chance to see it yet, but I hear that there's a new $2.5 million sim lab there now. Yes, thank you for mentioning that. Um, <clears throat> thanks to um, a very generous gift from the EL Wigan Foundation um, and some other very generous donors, um, <clears throat> we were able to completely revamp our uh, nursing uh, center and uh, the simulation lab. And uh, so that was about a two and a half million dollar project. And um, so as a part of that, we, we installed a, a fleet, uh, they call it a fleet of Laerdal uh, high definition simulators. And so we have everything from adults to um, a, a youth to a baby. Um, and you're familiar with all of that from your previous work. And um, I mean, it's incredible. So yeah. when we went online last spring, you know, that um, the nurses lost their ability to go uh, to uh, uh, their clinicals because uh, everything was shut down last March and April, and May. And um, so what the, the faculty did, and you'll love this, is, you know, the, this lab is very high tech. It has cameras in the ceiling and everything else. So the faculty member would be there standing next to the high definition simulator with it being broadcast to the student via Zoom. And then the student would uh, be able to hear and observe the mannequin and then uh, tell the faculty member what to do. So um, they were able to actually complete their, their required clinicals mm. using that lab. So if we didn't have that lab, Dave, um, then we would have had 40 plus nurses who wouldn't have been able to sit for the NCLEX RN exam. So um, that's, that's been absolutely wonderful. Has that been christened yet? Have you had an open house for that yet? We are, we are waiting for this pandemic to subside <laughs> so that we can officially uh, open it. Uh, yeah. So uh, that, that will happen. But, you know, right now um, we're, we're, we're not allowing any community people up there, just, just the students and faculty. So hopefully uh, once the vaccines are out and things are a little more relaxed, uh, we'll, we'll have a heck of a celebration of that. So, so if I was a nursing student, I would then, if I wanted to do a, a virtual tour, I could get a virtual tour of- Absolutely, Simulator. absolutely. In fact, we, we have one set up on our, our webpage and it's pretty, pretty exciting. Oh, that is, that is very exciting. I also see that US News and World Report gave you some distinguishing numbers to say the least. And can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Um, we were just thrilled and, and honored um, to receive the news that uh, we uh, were rated as the number one regional college in the West uh, for the 10th year. And I think it's important to note that the West also includes Texas. Um, <laughs> so it covers a, a large chunk of uh, geography. And um, what was really uh, wonderful about that is that Carroll College um, um, was the only school to have this designation 10 consecutive years. And we verified that with uh, US News. So 
no other school's been able to keep it for, for 10 years in a row. Um, and uh, so no pressure on, on uh, all of us to, to get uh, year number 11. Number 11 so. yeah. But yeah. Um, that was really exciting. Yeah, that's, that's and, and from, like I said, from my understanding there, there's not another school that's done that 10 years in a row, huh? No. And we, we, uh, we were able to confirm that with U.S. News and World Report. So, you know, it, to me, that's a, that's just a, a real tribute to our faculty and our staff and, and everything that they do to, to serve our students. Um, um, because that's, the, you know, those are the, the, the factors that, that fit into uh, the judge's decisions and, and, and of course the student outcomes. So, um, so that, that was, that was wonderful news. And we also received, uh, excellent, um, report from them on, on, um, um, undergraduate education, um, as well as, uh, our service of veterans. Um, we have, uh, Carol is a blue ribbon, uh, school. Um, so <clears throat> basically any veteran post 9-11 or, um, the child of any veteran post 9-11 can come to Carroll for free, um, live on campus for free, and actually get a food stipend. So it's a great deal. Yeah, as a veteran myself, I, I was impressed with that, seeing that it was ranked number one as far as veterans. That was, that's, that's a nice feather in the cap for, for Carroll, to say the least. And, and for any veterans um, who are listening, um, just thank you for your service. Um, and, you know, we are, we are proud um, to, to serve our veterans and, and it's such an important, certain part of our mission. And uh, Dave, thank you for your service. <laughs> well, you know, that was a long time ago, but yes, I, you know, it's, it's really interesting from when I came out way back in the 70s to how veterans are treated today, it's just it's just so wonderful on how people appreciate service now when, when these young men and women go out. As it should be, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so those are, man, you're given a pretty good list of what's what's happening at Carroll to say the least. Um, let me change focus a little bit. So so as, as I said at the beginning of the podcast is, you know, I've known you for a long time and I've known a lot of stuff that you've done. And when you sent me your, when I got your CV, when I sent for your CV, you know, you became uh, Carol's president in 2018. You became their 18th president. Uh, prior to that, you, you had a pretty long stint with uh, the Montana university system. As far as a deputy commissioner, that was really exciting. You did complete college America. You did some really exciting things in that. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. And then prior to that, uh, you were uh, a dean at City College, Montana State University Buildings. That's how how I met you. Of course, prior to that, you were also a dean over at Rocky Mountain College in Billings, Montana, too, um, as far as uh, community services and continuing education as far as dean. But it looks like you got your start way back when in 85 at Rocky as a computer programming instructor. So, yeah. so, so the question I have is, how the heck do you go you know, because I'm, I'm asked this all the time, too. How, how do you heck do you go from starting your career as a computer programming instructor to ending up at Carroll, a beautiful facility with lots of support as their 18th president? Well, I'll tell you, it's 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 been a fun, fun journey. And, and it wouldn't happen without uh, people who 
played such a huge role in my life. Um, you know, I, I, I remember the days of uh, teaching uh, things like uh, uh, C++ and Fortran and COBOL and, and uh, all that stuff that uh, if you were to ask me to, uh, Pascal, if you were to ask me to teach stuff like that now, I'd be like, uh, no, I don't think, I don't think I could, but because um, it's been so long. But um, part of when I was at Rocky, I, I was also, um, Rocky was really innovative in those days of uh, doing um, adult continuing education. And, um, and I was really interested in it. So I uh, negotiated with them to have a, a chunk of my contract focused on, on adult and continuing education because I really enjoyed it. And um, so, is, uh, so the uh, uh, director of uh, continuing education um, uh, found a, another opportunity and, and, and pursued it and that created a, a void. And uh, the president at that time, uh, Dr. Arthur H. DeRozier Jr. Um, uh, called me into his office one day. Um, and you know, you always get a little nervous when you're called into the president's office when you're a lowly instructor. And, uh, I say lowly cause I, I wasn't tenured or anything like that. Um, but, um, and, um, <clears throat> and he just said, you know, um, you're really passionate about adult and continuing education. And, and, uh, we lost our director and, and I'd like to make you the, the interim director. And uh, what do you think? And uh, so we talked about it and, and uh, you know, it, it meant that I wouldn't, I still did a little bit of teaching, but it meant that I really wasn't doing as much teaching. I think I, um, so I said, yes. And um, so I think I still taught about one or two classes a semester um, and uh, was doing that. And I really enjoyed it. <clears throat> and, so then that got me, um, you know, involved with doing other things from, um, you know, um, computers to degree completion to, um, you know, healthcare to uh, conferences, uh, summer camps, um, you name it. And um, so I, I think the president left me in as a interim for about a year, maybe a year and a half. And, and, uh, then, you know, he called me in, you know, a little bit later and said, you know what, you're, you're doing a pretty good job. And, um, you know, I think I can make a case to just, uh, just make you permanent. Uh, how would you like that? That means, you, you know, you don't go back to the classroom. And, and I was having a good time. And, and um, so uh, I said, yeah, let's do it. And um, so, so I ended up staying there um, till, um, uh, 2001, um, and, uh, or actually 2002, uh, when, when then, um, then I came to uh, city college. So in that process, I was, I was, uh, eventually elevated to, to the Dean of, uh, continuing education summer session and community services at Rocky Mountain College. And so, um, one of the things that, that, you know, it's always been important to me in my career has been partnerships and, and working with other institutions. So actually in, in uh, my role at Rocky, actually did, did some uh, partnership work with uh, other institutions, in, including University of Montana, Montana State University, and MSU Billings. 
And um, so in part of the MSU billing side, I, I got to know uh, Chancellor Ron Sexton, um, who would ultimately change my life in another way. Um, because um, uh, I, I then um, uh, decided and, and was encouraged to and, and applied to be the dean of uh, what was then the College of Technology and now City College at MSU Billings. And, um, um, and I'll never, I'll tell this story because it's, I don't even know if you know this story, but it was kind of a fun story. I, so I had, a, <clears throat> as, as you recall, Chancellor Sexton always put together uh, these very comprehensive interviews and, um, and uh, Provost Jeannie Park was a part of that as well. And so it was a three-day interview. And, um, um, and in fact, the, the chancellor actually had a set of, created a, a design your own interview. He wanted to see how the candidate would design their own interview. So, so I actually got to design my own interview. And, um, um, but on the first day of the interview, I, I developed some sort of a bug and I lost my voice. I don't know if you remember that. I lost my voice. And uh, so I'm trying to squeak through this interview. <clears throat> and on day two, I could barely talk and I was just getting through it. And then I was supposed to give a presentation to uh, the cabinet on day three, the chancellor's cabinet. And um, I thought, oh, how am I going to do this? And, uh, <clears throat> and uh, Chancellor Sexton's um, executive assistant called me and, and uh, or contacted me and said, uh, the chancellor has had a conflict and uh, he's not available for your interview on Wednesday. Would you be available on Friday? And uh, um, I said, yes, I would. <laughs> so then I, you know, I finished up Tuesday and, and went home and, and uh, spent two days in bed and, and actually felt pretty good by Friday. And uh, I, I hope Chancellor Sexton listens to this interview because I, uh, I have a, uh, I just have a suspicion that um, he uh, uh, maybe forced his schedule to change. Um, to, <laughs> maybe he had pity on this poor candidate, but, um, but no, he, he, he really did change my life in so many ways because he believed in me and, and really supported me as the Dean of uh, uh, City College and, and, you know, working together, we did some amazing things like, uh, of course, the, the funding from the Montana legislature and the building of the Health Sciences Center at, at City College, which um, is one of the uh, proudest accomplishments of my career to this day. And uh, I know a place that you spent a lot of time in and uh, I think is still one of the finest uh, academic buildings in the entire state of Montana um, and, and what we were able to do there. So um that that's kind of my I, I just loved msu billings and and just had a great time there and um yeah, and then um was uh what <clears throat> was um, um kind of um suggested that i that i apply to the commissioner's office uh, after that so i don't know if you want to talk about that but i really do i think that's really interesting because when you look at a lot of the the pathways um on, on where faculty go. Uh, that was kind of an off-road. That was a little bit of, you know, I, I was not anticipating that. I was anticipating you becoming a chancellor at a, a larger university than what City College was down the road. So we were all happy that you were staying in the state to say the least. So yeah, I'm interested on, on how that, I don't know how that all worked. 
So two other people who who've really impacted my life, um, um, then Sheila Stearns, who was the Dr. Sheila Stearns, who was the commissioner of higher education at the time, um, and I um, had had gotten to know each other for my role as dean of City College and and the fact that I attended all the Board of Regents meetings and and uh, and at that time, um, uh, Dr. Mary Moe, who was the deputy commissioner for two year and community college education, announced her retirement and um, uh, Commissioner Stearns, uh, I'll, I'll never forget, we were at a, <clears throat> a reception in the Museum of the Rockies um, for um, um, the, um, um, uh, I think the history or uh, commemoration of land grant universities. And uh, so Commissioner Stearns at this reception tapped me on the shoulder and just said, do you have a minute? I want to talk to you. And we sat down on a bench, you know, like 300 people milling around. And, and she said, you know, we're, we're going to be advertising for this deputy commissioner position. Um, you know, I'd really like you to consider applying. And, and you know, so we talked about it. And, and, um, and that really, that really um, made made a difference and so so I did apply and 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 ultimately was successful and and had the the pleasure of working with Commissioner Stearns for um, a, a little over a year and then she retired and um, the Board of Regents appointed uh, Clayton Christian as uh, the, her replacement as the next commissioner and <clears throat> Clayton um, Commissioner Christian and I uh, worked together then for about seven years. He would be then the next person who really had um, a significant impact on my life. Um, and uh, so I began as the deputy commissioner for two year in community college education and uh, Commissioner Christian. Um, then about <clears throat> two and a half years into that, um, um, after um, the, the deputy commissioner for academic affairs and research uh, uh, left to pursue another position. Uh, the commissioner said, you know, I'd like to combine your position with the deputy commissioner for academic affairs and research into one and have you be the deputy commissioner for academic research and, and uh, student affairs for the university system. And so um, that was that was a major event, and and um, and really increased the breadth of what I did, and the people I worked with in the university system, and which I greatly greatly enjoyed, and and just just uh, have um, in, in fact to this day still have a, a wonderful relationship with Commissioner Christian, and um, so then that that really kind of set the stage for. Um, how I ended up here, if, uh, if you're interested in talking about that. So the, the person who, uh, then the next person who's uh, influenced my life um, happens to be somebody you know and you've met, and his name is uh, Isaiah Sack, my son. <laughs> uh, and that's a really interesting story because here I, here I am, the, you know, the second in command of the Montana University system. And uh, my son comes home and says, Dad, you know, I've been looking at all these different schools. I want to go to Carroll College. And I said, that's great, but don't you want to go to MSU? And because uh, and no, Dad, I really want to go to Carroll College. And I, I want to play football there. And, and uh, so we said, you know, it's a fantastic school and we will support you. And uh, 
but you sure you don't want to go to MSU? And, um, and so we did. And, and, um, you know, I just fell in love with this place, uh, through his eyes. Um, and, you know, we got to, you know, um, get a feel for what type of institution Carroll college is the faculty, um, the, the staff, the coaching staff, um, his friends, um, it, we just fell in love with it. So it was like, uh, two and a bit years into his career. I mean, he's just, he's just on top of his game and I'm just loving it. And then, um, the former president of Carroll college, Dr. Tom Evans, uh, whom I became friends with as deputy commissioner, you know, it's lonely at the top and it's kind of nice to just get together with folks and have coffee or lunch. And, and so we just kind of had a, a bit of a social relationship. And um, <clears throat> so, you know, he gets this great job as the president of uh, a major uh, Catholic university in uh, uh, San Antonio, Texas. I mean, it has its own medical school and everything. And um, so, um, so I, I wrote him and I said, uh, gosh, you're, <laughs> you're leaving, but you're leaving for a pretty amazing job. And, you know, let's go have coffee to celebrate. So we had coffee at downtown Helena and, and we're celebrating that. And, and then at the end of the coffee, um, he looked at me and he said, I have, I have an idea, a bug to put in your head. And I said, what's that? And he said, why don't you put your name in the hat to be president of Carroll College? And, and I was like, whoa. And I said, well, you know, I am super happy as deputy commissioner and so, you know, that was like June something. And um, to make a long story short, um, uh, then that leads to the next person who influenced my life because um, uh, as, I was, as I was discerning and, and, and contemplating whether to apply or not, um, in addition to, to talking to Commissioner Christian, uh, I also had a great conversation with uh, with uh, President Cruzado at Montana State University, who's been another mentor in my life, as, as well as Fran Albrecht, who was the chair of the Board of Regents at the time, another important person in my life. And um, um, both of them really encouraged me to consider doing this, uh, coming to Carroll College. And, and then uh, ultimately, I'll never forget, it was like a, a week before it was time to submit the, the application it was a Sunday morning. I get a text from President Cruzado um, and in, in a way that only she can do. And she said, uh, she said, I just want you to know, um, I just officially nominated you to be the 18th president of Carroll College. And I think you should get started working on your application. And uh, so that was at a moment when um, it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, um, I'm getting a lot. I'm getting a lot of, uh, and Clayton Christian was also very supportive. So, you know, um, so I thought, what, what do I have to lose? I submitted my resume, my application, and uh, thought, you know, that's it. You know, nothing will happen. And then I get a call, and, and next thing leads to another, and here I am. So, so uh, I've kind of lost track of all the people who've impacted my life, but I, I feel like I'm a very lucky person, Dave, because so many people, like you as a faculty member, um, have impacted my life in so many rich ways. Yeah, I, it, it sure seems like it takes a village to raise a president. To say it does. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, it was when, I, when I was inaugurated here at, at uh, Carroll, it's a tradition that the new president has another president introduce them. And 
So I, uh, I asked President Cruzado to introduce me, and that was a tremendous honor. Um, before we move on to the next question, you know, I, I'm interested as, what do you wish you had known when you first became president of Carroll? Is there anything, if you could go back in time or? You know, it's, it's funny. I, I, um, as I mentioned, I, I, I'm still in touch with uh, Commissioner Christian and, you know, we visit um, occasionally and, and uh, you know, I just kind of mentioned to him the other day, I said, you know, of everything that I've done, um, <clears throat> my entire career that we've just gone through, I said, as, as the depth and breadth of that, um, so significant, but, but I don't think it completely prepared me for what it's like to be um, the president of a college um, that, you know, um, is standalone, that you report to a board and, and basically, you know, everything flows up and it's, it's just different because <clears throat> if you're a Dean, you still, you know, you still uh, go up to the yeah. chancellor, the provost and, and even deputy commissioner, you've got the commissioner when you're the president of an institution, <clears throat> you know, everybody looks to you. And um, so um, then you throw in some things like, like the pandemic and, you know, just changes. And, um, you know, it, it's, I, I think the thing that, that is so important is just uh, the, the ability to, to really trust uh, uh, your team and, and who you work for and, and be open to advice and, and be open to um, input, but at the end of the day, know that somebody needs to make a decision and, and, and it has to be you. So, um, it's, it's been, it's been wonderful. It's been, it's been three years that have been wonderful and challenging at the same time. Um, but it's, it's very, very different being a president versus any of the other jobs I've had. Yeah. I like, you know, when I was Dean, it's, it's, you always have somebody else to go to. So I, I can't imagine what that would be like that there's, there's nobody else to go to. So that would, that would definitely be a, a situation yeah. that would be hard to deal with. You know, and I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention someone else, you know, one, one final person in my career that that's had a tremendous influence um, on me and, and has been incredibly supportive here um, at, Carol, the last three years, and that would be our, the chairman of our board of trustees, um, Monsignor Kevin O'Neill, who is the, uh, the rector of the cathedral and vicar general of the Helena diocese. Um, um, he, he's just been incredibly supportive and has been there when I've needed him and, and has been willing to answer the phone sometimes, uh, you know, um, early in the morning. And, and uh, so it's, I think it's just been really important to have that sort of connection and, and, and uh, support from uh, the, the chair of the board of trustees in this type of job. Do you have any advice to, to anyone who's, who's wanting to go this path, you know, either somebody starting out in student services or starting out as a faculty member who wants to become a, a dean or a provost or a president? Do you have any advice for them of what they should do? You know, I, I, think, I think my, my advice would be, um, um, Find some uh, find some mentors. 
um, find some people who will help you help you grow and and understand the the complexities of the academy and 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 what it's like. Um, you know, one of the things I would like to do um, is um, you know after we get past the pandemic and things kind of calm down a little bit is actually emulate something that that President Cruzado has done, um, and that is uh, have a um, um, identify maybe uh, a faculty member, an individual to serve as a fellow, um, a presidential fellow for a year where they spend part of their time actually kind of shadowing uh, you and or me in this case and, and uh, um, you know, learning what it's like because, I, you know, I think one of the things that's really important for any organization is to make sure that you've got the bench depth for succession planning and, and all of that sort of thing. So, um, so I think, you know, just as, as I've rattled off in my 30 plus years in higher education, people who really impacted my life is keep looking for those types of people um, who can really serve as uh, kind of your internal cabinet, your internal set of mentors who can, can really help guide you. Well, John, thank you so much for being our first guest on the podcast. I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule so you and I could Dave, chat I'm today. honored. This is great. And um, you did a fantastic job. Thanks for the invitation. Well, that wraps up today's episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks for listening to today's episode and make sure to visit our website at academicdean.com for additional information. Also, if you enjoy our podcast, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Until next time.